Rick is teaching from Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 this morning. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Kelly, um, good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's pray, if we could. God, thank you for this morning and... God, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to gather together um, as a group of people seeking to know you, Father, and seeking to know what it is that you've called us to do, Father, and, and uh, how you've called us into your family, Father, and created a family here in us, Father. God, I pray now that you would... Uh, you would preach to our hearts, and that would be uh, something that changes us, Father. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Um, so I, this is, uh, I, I've always loved Ephesians, and, um, but I, I think these verses that we're going to talk about today are, are ones that uh, are kind of a newfound love for me. Um, Paul has just finished laying the foundation of the church, which is rooted in Christ and all that he did and the accomplishment of his life and his death and resurrection and all that those things mean. It's all beautiful stuff. Uh, and, it's, and then he, he prays for the first time for this group um, in Ephesus. So just to, to recap, to remind us all that this is Paul who deeply and greatly loves these people in this church in uh, this place called Ephesus. And, um, like, I think Paul writes with a lot of um, urgency and um, tension in his voice. But more here, he writes with this love that he has for these people. And um, the, it, it really, I, I want to I say this, this kind of, this idea will guide our minds and our words this morning. And it's a culmination of the stuff that we've learned in the first uh, four sermons in the series. But it's, and it also stated in these first two verses. And it's this, when we come together around two ideas, faith in Jesus and love for the saints, we are compelled by love to gratefulness and prayer that goes both vertically and horizontally. You follow that? So it's on, on the screen there. So when, and and I've said this several times throughout the course of the series that like Paul is writing specifically to this church in Ephesus, but because of the style with which he writes, because of, of the truth of this, we can apply it directly to our circumstance. Now, 
as a as, as a pastor and a leader and a teacher here, I, I want you to know that that is not always the case with the things that we read in Scripture, like promises that God makes to some people in Scripture are not necessarily promises that he makes to you in Scripture. That's important to know as you study the Bible. However, this is a, these are, are prayers and promises that we can take to heart and apply directly to who we are as a church. And so I think that all of chapter 1 is getting down to this idea, this statement, when we come together around two ideas, faith in Jesus and love for the saints, we are compelled by love to gratefulness and prayer that goes both vertically and horizontally. So what that means is when we come together around faith and love for one another, faith in Jesus and love for one another, we are compelled to love and be grateful for God and we're compelled to love and be grateful for one another. That's a, that's a, a deeply important concept for us to, uh, to grasp. And I think, so Paul lays out all the stuff that we are in Christ in the first half of, actually the first two-thirds of chapter 1. And then he begins this prayer. And it's sort of as the preamble to the prayer are verse 15 and 16, which is where this statement comes from. And it says, For this reason... Because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason that I'm about to say, for the reason that of your faith and your love, I can't help but give thanks for you. And, and like, here, so um, Friday night... I was going to sleep, and I couldn't sleep. I had this angst because this, the, the angst of, of this verse and the angst of, of my love for you kept me awake thinking and, and considering and, and just wanting to pray about this and pray for you and about us and, and this, this season that we're in. Because there is this, this great angst that I, I just, I want us all, I want me to feel, and I want to learn to preach this to myself, and I want you to learn to preach it to yourself, that there's this Jesus who loves you and has done so much for you, this has changed you, that I can't cease to give thanks for you. Um, the two ideas that are here are faith in the Lord Jesus and love for the saints. Um, faith, I, I think it's important for us because all of this is, is, is centered around believing that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did. If we don't have that, we don't have a commonality. So I want to talk a little bit about faith because I think we have a, our working understanding of faith is weak. So I want to talk a little bit deeper about what faith really is, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did. And, and I think even my word crutch of believe, that like if we believe this, that's faith. But there's more to faith than that. Faith is a combination of trust and surrender. I trust that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did. But the surrender portion is I, I'm willing to bet my life and everything that I am and all that I seek after, I'm willing to bet all of that, that he is who he says he is and did what he said he did. Um, 
An illustration, when I turned 40, some friends and I went to Las Vegas, and we jumped out of airplanes in Las Vegas. It was incredible. It was breathtaking. It was... Um, so I've heard... I've, I, I, I didn't calculate this while it was happening. I've, I was free-falling for 90 seconds, and I've heard that the human body falls at a, about 125 miles an hour. So I'm falling for 90 seconds from the sky, attached to some other guy I'd never met before, for 90 seconds at 125 miles an hour. And it was, as you can imagine, this rush of wind, and like it was incredible. But at the same time, it didn't feel like I was moving at all. Um, there was this incredible, um, it was grand, it was invigorating, but it was peaceful, it was exciting, but it was restful, and it was like incredible. Um, as I as I prepared, uh, getting instructions from, so it's a tandem jump. So I'm like, I'm here and a guy is strapped to my back who's a professional. And as I'm getting my last instructions from this guy that I will eventually be strapped to, over his shoulder is another guy who's packing my chute. And I thought to myself, I am completely in their hands. Um, so I'm surrendering to these two people. And my wife was trusting that they were doing this properly. And by the way, life insurance, like if, if you ever want to go skydiving and you're trusting in your life insurance, it doesn't like life insurance. If you die while it's skydiving, your life insurance policy does not pay anything to anyone. So um, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> um, so, but my wife was trusting, she was staying on the ground while I was getting into the airplane. She was trusting in these two guys, but I was surrendering to them. You see the difference in that? She stayed on the ground, I got in the plane. Faith is surrender, like betting your life. If, if these guys, if the guy doesn't pack the chute right, if the guy that I'm strapped to doesn't know what he's doing, I'm going to die. And this is faith in the Lord Jesus. And all the stuff that we've talked about for the last four weeks, all of that is centered around this idea of who Jesus is and what he did and how that applies to us. And the, this a central theme for who we are as a church is faith in that. So like God is creating this organism called the church. And Paul is writing this instruction manual that we call the book of Ephesians as a letter to a church in Ephesus. Central to that is that we all come together with this same sort of surrender to who Jesus is. But it's, it's not just faith. It's a common faith that we share. You and I share the surrender. And we've wor- used words like holy and blameless. Last week, I made you say holy and blameless twice in a row. And that we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we have this inheritance and we're sealed. All of the truth of all of these things is true of all of us. So here, like, as... I want you to kind of think a little deep with me here. As we consider this idea of what it means to be a church in faith in Jesus, it's rooted in all of us coming together under this same faith. 
That Jesus has made us holy and blameless. That Jesus has completely forgiven us. That Jesus has redeemed us. Here's our, our, like, our sort of idea of, of who we are as Americans. Is want to like, center this idea on self. That I am redeemed. I am holy and blameless. But let the person next to me make me angry and frustrate me and sin against me. And then there's going to be a break. But there is... There's a vital nature to this idea as we stand here today with this message and these people in this time and this place. Is that we need, to under, we need to apply this same sort of faith in who Jesus is and what he did to everyone. Especially those that we spend our lives with here. Because of this second idea that we're, we're coming together, not just with this faith in the Lord Jesus, but also the second idea... Of love toward the saints. I listened to a sermon this week from a Presbyterian pastor who I deeply respect, a guy named Brian Chappell. Um, he's incredible. If you're looking for uh, a pastor to follow uh, his sermons, uh, he's not a Twitter social media guy, so you can't find him there, but following his sermons, look him up. He said this in this sermon about this, this, this passage, this love toward the saints. And this, my heart just overwhelms. I think it was the, the idea of, that's behind this quote that kept me awake Friday night. I see in you what you could be. What if we lived in a church? What if we lived in a family? What if we lived in, in this life looking at the people like this. I see in you what you could be. I see the gospel. I choose to withhold judgment and criticism because I identify you as Christ would have you, holy and blameless. Like, slow down and hear this. What if we as a church loved each other so much that I see in you what you could be. I see the gospel. I withhold judgment and criticism because I see you as Christ sees you, holy and blameless. I give thanks for you. These words of commendation are acceptance or people are longing to hear. We're longing to hear that. We all want to have this place to belong and to be loved and to be seen for all that we are and, all, and everything that we are. And still loved. Like, do you know that that's a compulsion that's inside of you because Jesus put it there? And the only place to receive that sort of love, complete and utter without question, is in the gospel. And God's intent is to give each of us glimpses of that and then bring us together in a bond of faith to love one another. Let me get back to Chapel's last sentence. In a word, in a world that is critical, people feel spiritual support on the basis of the gospel. We're, we're together as a church. Paul is laying the foundation for what we have in Christ, and it's the basis of the foundation of, of this church. And it's the basis of our foundation as a church. It's 
I love you because Jesus loves you. And I see you as Jesus saw you. Back to our sentence. When we come together around these two ideas, faith in Jesus and love for the saints, we are compelled by love to gratefulness and prayer that goes both vertically. God, thank you for this. And horizontally, God, thank you for these people. And, and it, isn't it beautiful to, to learn to apply the gospel to myself because I've learned to apply the gospel to you? When you sin against me and I learn to forgive you and I'm compelled to forgive you because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me, I learn about the gospel. It's this beautiful cycle. Um, along these lines, it's really important. We're about to launch into, and, and we don't yet know when, we're about to launch into our, our fall community groups. Um, and uh, I, I want to encourage you to begin right now to pray about being involved in a community group uh, because it, it's, it's really important. We're trying to do them well, so we're not launching them yet. I know we talked about launching them like the first couple weeks of September, but we're going to hold off because we're trying to figure out who's going to lead and where we're going to have them and how many we're going to have so that we can do them right from the beginning. But it's coming soon. And as we do, as, as we plan and prepare those things, I want you to begin to pray that God would engage your heart there because really based on this verse, that we're coming together out of faith in Jesus and love for each other. And there's not a better place for us to, to stir that, to... to um, nurture that than in community groups. Um, Paul, um, and I also want to say one thing. I, I thought about having these, but you're going to have to just bear with me for a second as I walk back here. I wanted to have them up here, but I decided it would be better to, to walk back here and grab them because I want you to know exactly where they are. We've talked about these uh, for a while now. They're prayer request cards. And um, oftentimes when you see a prayer request card in a church, you think, oh man, my sister is not feeling well and I'm going to write her name down and ask the leaders of the church to pray for my sister who's not feeling well. Or, oh man, I've got this circumstance in my life. And I've, there, there are, I think the number is 34 prayers that Paul writes in the New Testament and none of them are about circumstances. It's interesting to me. So what I, I want you, we've, we, we started to do this a little bit, but then it kind of fell off. But as we understand this idea that Paul is gathering us around, Paul is writing about gathering us around faith in Jesus and love for one another, I think the greatest thing that we have as a tool to, to do that is, is one, community groups, but then secondly, private individual prayer. So... There's a bunch more of these out there, and, and these are, are right here. Pray for one another. Write prayers for one another. And it, this is not just my sick friend or, or any. It, it ultimately is, hey, this is what I'm praying for this church. This is what I'm praying for this person. This doesn't have to be a prayer request for you. Maybe it's something that God has laid on your heart to pray for somebody else in this room. Maybe it's something that God has laid on your heart to pray for the women or the men or the youth or the kids or the leaders or whatever. Write it down, and, and let's, let's pray together. Also, coming up on October the 3rd, we're going to be right out there with Faith Community Bible Church gathered around uh, a fire pit 
um, praying and singing. October the 3rd, it's a Wednesday night. Be there. Love for you to be there. So those three really practical things for us to do this, be involved in community groups, pray for one another, use these tools, and then on October 3rd when we come together, uh, let's pray. So let's, we're, let's move on to uh, Ephesians 1, 17. Um, I, just, I want to just turn. You're going to have to deal with looking at the back of me for the rest of this time because I want to look at this together. And I want the, this is Paul's prayer that's rooted in this idea of, of love and faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love for one another. This is the prayer that comes out of Paul in the midst of that for the church. So this becomes my prayer. Friday night, I can't sleep. I get in the shower and I pray this over and over again, over you. And, and I want it to become our prayer. Paul prays that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. His prayer is just our eyes would be open. We would be aware of all that God is and all that he's done. He would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So you would see it and know it and understand it and have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Find just a phrase in here. God, would you give this church a spirit of wisdom? Would you give this church a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Jesus? God, would you open the the eyes of our hearts? Would you enlighten us? This is Paul's angst that he prays, and he's compelled by his love, and he's compelled by his faith to pray this for these people. And what is the glorious inheritance in the saints? Like, stop for a second and understand the incredible inheritance that you have, that the person next to you has. It's ours. We hold it. And, and we are bound together by this incredible thing that Jesus has done. Apply it to yourself. Apply it to the people around you. And then, like, there's... You ever seen those little, like, I, I, they're Russian dolls, and they, like, they, like, sit inside of one another? Like, there's a little bitty one, and then you open it up, or there's a big one. You open it up, there's a smaller one, and you open it up, there's a small. You know what I'm talking about? A few of you do. Um, I used to have one. Uh, and and I, I think that, that idea of those little circles are exactly what this is getting at. Like, God is, God's plan for the church is to preach the gospel, preach all of this stuff that the knowledge of him, having your hearts enlightened to the hope that he has called you to and the the glorious inheritance and all that stuff, God intends to be preached to your own heart. And then he intends for that gospelized heart to be placed inside of a church with other gospelized hearts where there's brokenness and there's sin and there's people that do dumb things that, that have serious repercussions in their lives, but then they're brought in to love within a congregation and a church. And this love goes deeper and beyond anything that we could think of. And so that's the kind of the, the second one. And then outside of that, we have now this church made up of people who've preached the gospel to their own hearts and gather together and begin to preach the gospel to one another's hearts and love each other and, and, and are serving one another. All those things coming together. And then they place that gospelized 
group of people that's called the church into a community to do the same thing. And that's where God has us. That's what God is calling us to do because our world needs this. And it always has. From the beginning of time, our world has needed this. People that understand their own sin but understand their own forgiveness. Living in a church that understands its own sin and its own forgiveness. Investing in a community that's in deep need of understanding its sin and understanding the forgiveness that they have in Christ. And that's, that's God's plan from the beginning of time is to create those things. And it's the incredible thing. It starts with dummies like me and you. I'm sorry, I just called you a dummy. But I just called myself one too, so. But think about it. God's plan for the church is you. God's plan for the church is the gospel in you. And look at these beautiful words. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, wake up to the fact that there is a hope that you have, a confident expectation of something that is to come. Wake up to that. And Paul is compelled by his love. Compelled by his love. Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Look at that. Jesus has immeasurable greatness of power. And it's directed to you and given to you and placed in you. And what do we do to get that immeasurable greatness of his power? You see it there? What's the verb there at the end? Believe. Your role here, your, your ticket is simply believing according to the working of his great might. Do you, like, that is, first of all, it runs contrary to how I grew up in the church, is that the power that I might have was dependent upon my abilities or my ability to not sin or my ability to, to, to show up at church or my ability to read my Bible or my ability to do all these things. The power that I thought that I needed to have to gain salvation or to be any sort of influence had something to do with me. And it doesn't. It's everything to do with Jesus. And it's right here for you. Your role is believe. I think one of the things that I really struggle with in my world and in my life is this idea of comparison. And I've talked about it a lot. And God is redeeming me from that in, in the last year plus. Um, but there's this... One of the things that I wrestle with is I feel like I'm... I'm always, not always, but frequently very, like, passionate and intense in the way that I preach. And I think that that may be an anti-church growth strategy to always be, like, clenched fist, freaking out when you're preaching. Um, And so I I think to myself, I need to be different. I need to be better. I need to be more soothing. I need to be more calm. I need to be more, more mellow. And then I think that, like, No, 
the, the, the angst that's within Paul here, because he loves these people so much, and because I love you so much, there's got to be an angst that's in me, especially here. Like, this world needs the gospel more than ever. Your heart needs the gospel more than ever. And here it is. God's design is the church to bring this together, to do this, to be this in one another's life. And then the result is, is this. How incredible would it be for, 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 to live in a place where faith in Jesus and love for, love for one another ruled our hearts. And it doesn't start with somebody else. It starts with you. So many times we're like, my Twitter feed is filled with, if you would just do this, things would be better. No, stop it. It's, it's like the third grade thing. When you point your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. You remember that thing that your kindergarten teacher taught you? <laughs> She's over there checking it out. Yeah, that's true. Whoa. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But the beautiful part is that we live in this, this, this pool of forgiveness together. I am holy and blameless in Jesus, and so are you. I think I'm done. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a sleepless, angst-filled night belaboring this point in my brain, Father. And I pray that the belaboring of this point this morning would not be lost on us, Father, but you would create for yourself a people, a church that loves one another, that is centered around faith in your son Jesus. And God, would we not wander this place trying to fix people, but instead point them to you in your complete and utter forgiveness. God, I thank you for Jesus. Would you give us a hunger to know you? Would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you enlighten our hearts to the hope that you've called us to? Would you open the eyes of our hearts to to the mission that you've called us to in this place, Father? God, would you give us a spirit of forgiveness? To those that injure us, may we forgive them as you've forgiven us, Father. And God, would you make this place a beacon of of your joy and your forgiveness and your love? God, help us to love you. Help us to love one another. And show Jesus to this world. But God, may it start with our own hearts and our own lives. Thank you so much for your wonderful and precious son, Jesus.
It's in his name that I pray. Amen.